Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Cut the Shit, a podcast series that aims to take a closer look at the impact of the IT industry, both the good and the bad. Cut the Shit is brought to you by Plow Networks, a managed IT services company based just outside Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Brian Link, EVP of Products and Services here at Plow, and I'll be your host for this series. I'll ask questions, and with the help of our guests, try to dig deep on some of the key challenges we all face dealing with IT. So with that, let's cut the shit and get started. On today's episode, I am super excited to have Alex Ochoa as our guest. Alex is a former professional baseball player and coach, and he currently works as a player agent for the premier baseball talent management group, the Scott Boris Agency. After being drafted by the Orioles in the third round of the 1991 draft, Alex spent the next 18 years playing pro ball in both the MLB and the Japanese major leagues. After retiring, he coached and worked in the front office for an organization and then moved on to work in his current role with the Boris Agency. During our conversation, we dive into the impact that technology has had on Major League Baseball, both from Alex's perspective as a player and a coach. We get into how technology has impacted the way players and coaches work together up and down Major League organizations, the cultural impact that the analytics movement has had on baseball, and how the use of mobile technology and wearables continues to evolve and impact the game. We talk about the way players assess themselves and the way organizations continue to assess players and how managing the information explosion around all this is becoming a critical skill. Finally, I get Alex to speculate on what regular businesses can learn from the way pro sports are leveraging technology to find and develop talent. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Alex Ochoa. Alex Ochoa, welcome to the Cut the Shit podcast. How you doing, man? How you doing? Thanks, Brian. How you doing? Doing okay. Doing okay. It's been a while. I think we got together uh, right before COVID, if I remember correctly. Like literally, like I think the day before uh, the the emergency thing. When I think it was like March twelfth, twenty twenty. Right. So yeah, no doubt. No doubt. It's hard to believe. It's crazy how that is. Since then, you've had I think two kids, or did you already? You already had one, um, or one was on the way. Well, we had one. And then, and then you had another, like in the like eleven days old or whatever, and then, <laughs> That's uh, right. and then, uh, then we had another one in twenty twenty one, no twenty twenty one, yeah, twenty twenty one. Awesome, yeah. So, yeah, they gave you plenty. You were at home, so you might as well play with little kids, right? So, no, no doubt, <laughs> uh, my, my <laughs> no doubt. I found uh, the special lady, and then we went from there. It took me a while, but you know, everything happens in its due time, right? That's right. That's right. Well, listen, um, thanks. First, thanks off for joining. Um, I hope we're going to, I think we'll have an interesting conversation today. Um, I've already told in the intro that you and I go back a ways. Um, you were a much better baseball player than I was and made it a, a lot farther and turned it into a, a really interesting career that I think will, is a nice setup for today's conversation. Um, since you're not in the technology business, you probably, I, I remember when I first asked you about this, you were like, what the hell are you even asking me for? But I think the applications of technology in all kinds of places are super interesting. And hopefully this will be a good learning experience for, again, I, we don't have one customer <laughs> in the in the sports business at all, right? But there's stuff that's happened in professional baseball a specific to technology that I think um, could be uh, instructive and informative to the group. So Thanks for taking time. I know it's getting busy with the fall because you got your guys in and and that kind of thing. So we'll uh, we'll try to make it uh, try to make it substantive. So oh, I appreciate having Brian. Um, it's a pleasure actually. But before we dive in, um, why don't you you know if you could just tell that give us before we get into kind of the technology stuff, give me 
I mean, you had a you had a long career in in pro ball, and then coach, and now work in in kind of the scouting, uh, the agent side of the business. Um, give me something. In, give me like a story from back in the early days that is the opposite of a technology story, like something that you know you you knew you were in an old school business when. Because I can think of like three or four different things, like from the early days and when we were in the Orioles organization, like some of the stuff they did that I thought was. I mean, we were we weren't that exposed to what was going on in the front office and the coaching staff, but just in general, the way we did things. So something, something sort of very old school from your career. And maybe it was later where things were changing technologically, but it was something that was so old school. You were like, wow, I can't believe that they're still doing it this way. It doesn't have to have anything to do with technology, just, just sort of process in general. I just think like, at least stuff that I remember, like, um, I I remember like going to pro baseball and like, um, I remember having that one cage that we only had um, in uh, in spring training, um, uh, just doing a lot of like small things like um, hitting off the tee or you know um, kind of um, um, soft toss, but no really not really cage work, yeah. um, which is very prevalent today um, in different aspects. I would think about when we played at Frederick, um, we didn't even have it. I mean, our cage was up on the hill. I mean, I don't yeah. remember hitting in the cage. No, never. Oh, yeah. I, I don't either. Yeah. I, I don't remember hitting. In, somebody asked me, um, one of our younger clients asked me about that. And I was like, man, we didn't even have, well, first of all, we didn't even have a hitting coach. No. Well, I mean, you remember who it was? Do you remember? It was Wally Moon was the traveling hitting coach. He was 132 years old. I'm pretty sure at that time. And, and he seemed like he was maybe 150. I, I don't, I mean, <laughs> I know, yeah, no, he was old for his age, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And then, um, not, it really came in once in a blue moon, but just like old school things like that, um, don't happen today. Now they have hitting coaches in every league, um, they have, um, hitting coordinators. Now they have an assistant hitting coordinators. Um, it's just uh, the game has transformed a ton um you know we're gonna get into technology yeah, yeah. and uh, but even in the coaching aspect has changed a ton you know they're using uh stuff we just had batting you know batting practice we didn't have anything else now they use machines in in batting practice to simulate uh speed okay uh, just a ton of things that are just totally different to when uh when we were in in, in the minor leagues and um communication Another thing, communication is 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 big now. Uh, even when in the minor, even in younger minor leaguers, you know, communication with the coaches, communication with the, the coordinators. I mean, we, I don't, I can't remember me having like an in depth conversation other than with my teammates about adjustments, about anything like that with coaches. Every once in a while, again, if someone showed up, you know, that that, that but then it was sort of like a drive by, like okay, like I mean, you know, if somebody would show up, watch one game. They, they wouldn't have seen any kind of a totality of experience. They just watched you one night, maybe you had a good night or a bad night, you know, that kind of thing. Or they'd see the numbers. Oh, isn't, you know, he's 0 for 16, so he must be struggling. He needs some help. You know, is that kind of a, was that kind of a thing? It was not consistent in, in any, in any way. Anyway, no, I mean, I, and I just think that never in depth, like I remember um, my first full year was 1992 and I was in Kane County, Illinois, uh, cold, Never played in the cold weather as a, as, as a young kid. 
um, and that being a big adjustment. And I remember hitting like I was hitting like a, a, a hundred and forty. Um, the first month in a season, you know, and you're freezing your ass off too. You've ne- you've been in Miami your whole life, right? I mean, you you never you never played anywhere below. It was cold. It was sixty. You know, sixty two degrees. You're like, man, I'm getting out the turtleneck. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember bunting a couple times during BP because it was so cold. Um, and Wally Moon coming in, and the basically the conversation was, um, don't worry, kid. When it starts getting hot, you'll get better. That was. That was the advice. Yeah, that's, it. that's some of that. Of the conversation about, it wasn't about hitting. It wasn't about, I'm sure it was something, you know, some, he probably mentions a little bit short, but that really stuck out of my mind, right? Yeah. That yeah. It was no in-depth thing that I'll just figure it out. I think that's a really good place to kind of jump in because I, I do think you've been, you've watched an industry really transform Um before your very eyes, right? In a, sp- in a span of 20 years, right? It, just over 20 years, which is a very short period of time, right? I mean, that's not, that's not long. Now, baseball, you know, professional sports in particular and baseball, for sure, you know, 20 years is a long time, right? If you think about it, if you go to 1975 to 1995, I mean, you think about the business model, just in and of, I mean, there was no free agency. I mean, there's this, you know, on and on, you can go on, you can, you know, and, and these changes we're talking about, I'm sure the way they did things in 1975, probably seem like the stone age compared to the way the things we're describing, right? Which was, you know, in the early, early nineties, but regardless, it's, that's ancient history. Now we're just talking about past history, which is still fairly ancient. And I think a lot of that has been fueled by technology. Some of what you're talking about, the reason they didn't do it, some of it might've just been, they were hard headed and used to doing things a certain way, but some of it was, it was hard to do, right? I mean, feedback loops were not as easy uh, as they are now with, with what you can do with technology. So, um, I want to jump in on one thing first from a technology standpoint, and then we'll kind of build from there. And that was when you go back to your playing days, when was the first time you remember using video technology to look at your own performance? Like in, in any, in any kind of significant way, because we didn't do that at all in the minors, there was no access. And so I'm guessing for you, it had to either be later in your minor league career or you got, when you got to the big leagues. Very good question. I would have to say I'm not fact checking you either, so it's you know if it just whenever whenever it jumps in your mind, you know. On about time, I would have to say my fourth year in the majors. So it was a while. It was a while. Okay, so you're and you 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 broke in and was it ninety five? Ninety five. I yeah. got my first taste in the big leagues in ninety six was my rookie year. Okay. So. So you're talking ninety eight. Ninety eight. Ninety nine. Ninety nine. Maybe, and I'm assuming these were VHS tapes. Somebody was recording. Is it was someone in the clubhouse, or you know, VHS recording? Um, we had to go play it back. Um, I remember because it was a transformation actually. To um, I had my rookie year. I had a good year. I struggled the the, the following year, and then I struggled again after that. And then in '99, I th- it was '99. I had a hitting coach, um, Jim Lefevre, um, that really took to me and worked with me every day in spring training. I remember him telling me, um, hey, you're, 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 you have too much talent to have done what you've done the last couple of years. And he went in and he would tell me, you know, we went into the cage um, early in the mornings every day. And then he's the one that get really first one to give me like video feedback. 
on show you what you're doing, right? As opposed to you having to visualize it in your mind, because that's what it was for us, right? They'd say, oh, you're doing X or Y, and you had to feel it or sort of picture it in your brain. That was it. Yeah, exactly. And then what video, I mean, what, what technology, I think my opinion, what technology did is that actually, you know, you can um, talk about it, show you, and then break it down in the sense of what are you doing that makes you successful, where, where before it was a feel, yep. you know, yet the feel still, you need the field still, but when you're looking at it, you can grasp the feel of it faster. Sure. Yeah. It's a feedback loop. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's for you to, it feels funny, but if it's working, then you can adjust it in your mind to be like, to, to train yourself for that to feel right. You know, I mean, Think about think you know we're, I don't want to get off topic, but this whole idea of launch angle and some other things that happened like that never would have happened. I don't think without analytics and video technology because it's counterintuitive to a certain degree, right? <laughs> you wouldn't have thought of you would you would not and it would and it would have felt wrong for the most part for the way you were taught to hit and and for good reasons, right? Line drives in a lot of ways make the most sense in baseball in terms of in terms of the swing, the swing plane all those kinds of things in terms of maximizing the likelihood of hitting a ball hard, right? So none of that would have happened, I don't think, without the ability to have the feedback loops and to be able to then retrain your brain to a certain degree to change that feeling um, in, in that sense. It's interesting because I'm thinking about this in the context because because I left baseball in 93, I was gone way before um, it got to that point. But there's no doubt that people were doing that already in other sports, particularly like golf, other things, but it didn't happen. It feels like it happened a little bit later in baseball, but then once it started, it feels like it just, it, it, my sense is that it dramatically accelerated. And so as you think about it, so, so you, your first take, say 98, 99 video technology, um, old school VHS rewinding a tape, how much longer before you had, uh, an iPad that you were carrying with you as a player. And after a game, they were uploading the videos for you to see like what they do with huddle now for, uh, for it's down in the high school level. Now, like everybody can see you, you never see it. You, you probably don't have it at bat anymore that you don't get to watch 8,000 times. Right. And that never existed, you know, just a generation ago. So how, how much long, what was the gap between that where you got to that point? Okay. okay so I got to go when <clears throat> then after, Obviously, I had a little bit of the you know VHS stuff till 2002. Then um, I ended up going to Japan. Their technology was their, their video and technology was a little bit more advanced than what I was. What, okay, I was going to ask you: Was it different in Japan, better or worse? I was curious about that. So it it, it was more. <clears throat> they never how do I put it? It wasn't individualized in the sense of like one on one. We always have meetings. Every day there was meetings, hitting meetings, um, watching pitchers, watching um, hitters. Um, they had a hitters meeting and a, and, a, and a pitchers meeting, all video, all video. We watched the pitchers pitch. We right. watched the pitchers pitch against uh, um, us individually as a group, obviously, with the, especially the, the main guys that played every day. So then um, you would get that visual, but not one-on-one. I think uh, for me... Where I saw the, a huge change was when I, my first year coaching 09 with the Red Sox. It was the first time I could see they started with the, you can, 
watch a video a video of your at bat a minute after your 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 at bat was done right so you were able to go hit go back down and, and watch watch your bat what you did where was the pitch was all that, all that stuff so that's when i think from 09 to what it is now it's accelerated at a at like warp speed i would right. say so i'm guessing now most players I mean, they can see it in the clubhouse, but my guess is that when they go home, if they want to watch their bats, they can access that. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, and, and and I would imagine hitting coaches are looking at those videos and providing feedback to them at various points. Exactly. Well, you see them in the. I mean, as a dugout, you see them now watching their bats, watching the pitcher on an iPad. Every right. single player has that, you know. So, right. like, what it evolved as because I was coaching from. Um, oh, uh, 2009 and 2012. So I got, I got to see uh, even in a short period of time, 2009, because I was a big league coach my first year, and then I became a big league coach again my second year. In between being special assistant um, to baseball operation and a hitting coach in low A ball, and then, um, and then just watching everything like accelerate in that in that short, short span, right. Um, which is cool because I got to see that in the, in the major leagues, how it advanced, then go back to the minor leagues and watch how that has transformed as well. You have a video guy in every, in every level. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, it would, you'd be crazy not to, right? I mean, so they, they, um, instant feedback, you can log into your, into your um the minor leagues is slower right it's a little it was it was slower i don't know probably it's more advanced now probably you could get it similar to 09 probably but um but then it was like okay you have to wait for a couple of days and then they, they loaded they downloaded all the things and then you could go back and watch your bats um in in the minor leagues and i think in in, in that aspect i think 2010-11 was kind of like the, the years that you could that i that i experienced that so um so, so, so that, you know, I think, again, to think back to the early days where w what we struggled with was no feedback, right? Lack of, lack of feedback, either video, there was no technology feedback. There wasn't really any coaching feedback. Like it was, it kind of felt like the idea was, and, and I, they didn't say this, but it sort of seems like this when I talk, thinking about our, our experience and the minors, I mean, mine and yours weren't the same, but they were the same in certain regards. We're in the same organization. Um, and it was a fairly you know, forward thinking organization, I would say compared to some, um, when, when I talked to guys from other organizations, but it sort of seemed like the idea was we'll put you out there and let you play. And the guys who can figure it out are the ones who are going to make it. And if you can't, then too bad for you. Right. It was sort sort of the, it was a bit of a, I mean, not just a bit of it. It was very much a sink or swim model, right. Very individualistic in that sense that the idea of coaching wasn't really, it, you know, they maybe give you a little help, but in general, you were supposed to just figure it out. And now it's, it, it feels like it's the opposite now, for, as it should be. I mean, I don't think that was right. I think <clears throat> having more help, having more coaching, you know, having more feedback, all those things are good. But it does make me think, and now that, you know, now that you're on the agency side and you deal with current players, how much information overload are they dealing with? And, and Because we certainly didn't have that problem. I mean, we, you know, you could get in your own head in 1991, 92, 93, for sure. That, that, not saying that. But it wasn't that you weren't bombarded with information or worried that you weren't doing enough video work or all of the potential 
that feel like potential issues now? I'm just curious to hear what the young guys, how do they talk about that? I think a lot of times there's a lot of overload, a lot of things that, that sometimes I think as an, uh, I, I would hate to say like, I think of old school, like, you know, because I think I'm, I'm of a person that would change with time. Um, very good. You know, and I don't like, I'm not against there's some people that are so totally against analytics i'm not against it i think more information to a certain extent is good but how you when how and when when certain situations that doesn't apply at all because as a, a field game um i think hitting becomes it, it, it's, it's sometimes it's feel so like i think a lot of things of mechanics and things like that and breaking down totally the mechanics and you know just puts too much thought into the in 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 players minds so they don't they become mechanical not instinctual and a lot of times you have to allow that to flourish as well you know i I would agree yeah i mean and again yeah i'm old too and and left the game a long time ago but you know when i think about it yeah obviously more information is better just as a, if you're going to, if you're going to just draw a line, do you want more information or less? Well, you'll take more, right? But you can have too much information too, because it becomes hard to know what's signal and what's noise, right? Well, how do you, how do you sort that out? And, you know, being in a slump is no different in 2022 as it was in 1912, right? Where it feels like you can't, you just can't figure it out. Like you can't, you know, nothing's working. You can't see the, you can't see the ball. Well, you can't recognize a pitch, when you do hit a ball hard, it's right at somebody, and it's like, well, shit, that's an, it's still an out. Even now, and at least now with modern day analytics, they'll give you, you know, you get some credit for that. You know, you, you hit a, you smoke a line drive at the center fielder, like that's that goes a little bit in the plus column. Whereas in our day, it's just no for one. You know, like that that's a, that's a, that's better. But the bottom line is, it still doesn't feel any good when you're 0 for 17 and you just lined out again. Now you're 0 for 18. I mean, it still it still sucks. <laughs> so, um, and and they try to kind of like. Uh, which I, I I get it. Nowadays they try to, you know, a two forty. There's a hard two forty and a not good two forty, but it's two forty anyways, right? Yeah. Um, and try to like obviously, you know, um, kind of um, reward guys for for uh, let's say they they hit the ball hard that year and, and things like that but baseball is so like like so it's such an up and down thing that that's not really like a measure um because you can't see it you can't feel it so you have to your mind has to change completely and that's oh. hard to do well and, and at the end of the day if you're the gm of an organization where a bunch of guys hit the ball hard and you still lose like you're gonna get fired <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, now I, again, the idea of if, if you, the, the belief and and I, and it's true over time, if you hit the ball hard more frequently than you don't right, good things will happen. Right. But, but how long, right. There's a, that, that is that, you know, that can go for a long time, right. That, that doesn't, that doesn't even out in a, in a span that always lines up with, uh, you know, particularly, I mean, I think about A-Rod and his quote unquote inability to perform in the playoffs. Right. And, yeah, over time, cumulatively, his rec- his hitting record was poor in the playoffs. But as you know, like the playoffs are a weird are a weird thing, and they're basically a bunch of individual games or short series, right? Where 
depending on how you're hitting. I mean, there are guys who are great in the playoffs who are just not that good at, they really aren't that good at hitters. Are they really good hitters because they were good in the playoffs? Or, you know, are they just really special? No, you know, Billy Bean would say they were just lucky, right? I mean, in the sense of what we mean, which is they got hot at the right time. So um, it's, it's a weird, it's definitely a weird thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, t- it's, it's, it's tough because I think, you know, obviously Tanaji is good and you could use there's a lot of things that, that you could get a lot of readings and 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 understand a player um, more defined, um, but at the end of the day, a, how a player um, reacts to pressure, how a player, um, uh, con- I mean, I think my number one thing, obviously, consistency, and then and then and then confidence, right? You can't measure confidence, right? So then. Uh, does analytics get confidence? I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how you can like results at the end of the day for a for for an athlete matter. Yes. Right. Yes. For sure. So, it matter more than what analytics wants them to make it matter. But when you're performing, <laughs> you want something good to come out of it. You know. Yeah. So like, I mean, that's a tough I mean, balance. Um, it's a tough for sure. Let's put it that way. It's a tough balance. And again, speaking of, you know, we've talked some about the, you know, the impact of technology, but you can't really talk about technology without analytics like we're doing and some of the advanced analytics because they wouldn't be able to do, you wouldn't be able to do them. Part of, part of the reason you're able to do advanced analytics now is because of technology, not exclusively because let's face it, Bill James was doing this stuff a long time ago with, you know, paper and pencil. Um, but regardless, it's certainly made it a lot easier. Um, when you think about your own career and, you know, you were, and I'm, I'm going to scout you from the de- from back in the day. I'm pretty sure this is right. You know, you were probably what I would have, you were probably a four tool guy at the time. I would say hitting for power was probably the only one of the five that you wouldn't have graded out above average. That's why you were a high round, high round pick and you were a hell of a player and you made it to the big leagues. Given your skill set, then was there anything about, is there anything about the way that players are sort of evaluated and valued today that would that would have made your scouting and your the, the perspective on you as a player different now than it would have been in 1991. And maybe the answer is no. I just don't know. I'm just curious since you're kind of on that side of the table now. I would like to think in the sense of like, I'll be more valued in the sense of like um, defensively. You know, I, I'm. I think defensively, I made a little things. A lot of things look a little bit easier um, than than it looked like. You know, I didn't dive for balls. I didn't. You know, I wasn't that kind of. But I would get to balls, and I think when you read it as with the eyes, you certainly you can miss some things where analytics you can't. Yeah. Like, you know, the technology now with the with the, what do you call that? Um, the where they have all stadiums. I can't I forget the name. Uh, where they this is where they break up the field and they got it like in the little areas where they measure range and what the range and all that stuff. It's called yeah. I, I, I lost my train of thought with that, but anyways, um, they can see what the value of a player is more like accurately, right? Where I sometimes deceive you. They like the guy that dived. The guy, you know. Uh, was aggressive like that, and it might have just been because he didn't read the ball that well. To your point, like it, you know, it, 
it might have been because he just didn't read the ball that well, right? I mean, he had to dive because he didn't get he couldn't get there without diving, right? Exactly, exactly. So I think in that aspect, maybe. But in other sense, I mean, it would be hard to 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 tell what if it would have been on my favor or maybe be negative. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I was just curious if you'd ever thought about that since you've been, you know, I, I think about, you know, my own, my own self, I didn't strike out much and, you know, I walked a lot and at one point that was valued and now I'm not so sure that's valued anymore. I, I, it's, it's kind of changed, um, in the sense of the way that, the way that's, uh, the way that's shaking out, you know, because as soon as everybody starts valuing that, well, that becomes less valuable. So you look for something else, right? It's the, it's the way it goes. Um, hard hit rate. Uh, yeah. how, how consistently does a guy make hard contact, yeah. you know, and that's the thing now. Um, but like baseball is always going to evolve, right? It's always evolved. So, you know, what was base running was a big thing. And, um, in like when Ricky Henderson was, was, uh, the base dealer, um, then it kind of went away from that and, and the power and, you know, um, started becoming power has always been, a a, a commodity. Um, in the game, but um, but it's like the importance has has changed. I think a lot of times now, like you, what I like about uh, about game now is like you see teams that kind of roster um, set their rosters with many different types of players. The right. good player, the teams do that. You know, not everybody has to be a home run. Right. Uh, you know, homer hitter, you could have your homer hitter, you could have your line drive hitter, you could have your situational guy, you could have your defensive guy. I think a lot of teams are going back to that kind of kind of stuff. Right, right. That's cool. Um, yeah. So let's transition just a bit um, away from kind of the analytics stuff and kind of, I mean, we'll swing back to technology, but in the sense of on the nutrition and training side and with the, with the advent of wearables and some of the stuff that's happening in kind of the consumer market, where is that? What's what's going on in baseball around that aspect? Are are teams getting more? And and well, maybe maybe it's two part. It's our teams. I'll say dictating, but are they strongly encouraging players to get more to to be more um, managed around the nutrition and the training side, weight training? I'm, I mean, I don't mean hitting. I mean like weight training. And, and or and or are the players doing it? I mean, I'm, I'm, they've always been the ones that have motivated because they wanted to advance their own careers. I'm curious to know what's happening and are people leveraging technology to do that better? I know they are, but, but I'm looking for more organizationally or are you seeing that kind of across the board or is it still depend on, on where a guy is and who he's playing, who he's playing for? Um, I think university, university in, in the game, I think, you know, nutrition and weight training and, you know, functional, um, especially functional weight training, um, has, uh, has taken over in the sense of, you know, obviously, you know, you have all these, you know, uh, technology stuff that, you know, you can read how much rest you get. Yep. Yeah. I mean, all of the, you know, the sort of the measured, measured, you can quantify it all, you know. You can quantify it all, how this guy moves, you know, how does he move weight, how fast, um, how fast he's moving weight, which, which translates into power. Um, and that's, you know, yeah, definitely all teams are doing that. Most teams, some teams do it better than others, but yeah. Right. And, and obviously, I mean, given, given what I know about Boris and what you, and what you do, cause you and I've talked, right. That's also still something that's outside the organization, right? The players have a vested interest in 
maximizing their own performance, regardless of whether their organization helps them with that or not. Correct. I mean, that's still, that was always true and will always be true. Right. No doubt. Cause you're not, I mean, the fact you play for the Boston Red Sox, I mean, it, it's fans don't necessarily want to hear this, but you're a major league baseball player first and you play for the Red Sox, not I'm a Red Sox player, right? Because you know that you might not be playing for them next year, depending on the circumstances of your contract and, and, and those sorts of things. And that's, you know, at the end of the day, you are responsible for your own career, not the Red Sox. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think a lot of times um, it's hard for te- to, to, um, players, especially when they get into pro ball, to understand that, you know, because you, as you're growing up, it's never it's never been that way, right? You you play for a team your entire life until you get to the until you get to pro ball, you know. So you're 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 uh, the the in all of you know well with the team you get drafted in, and and this is the team that I want. It doesn't always necessarily work out that way. Well, most times, more time than not, right? Yeah. There's only a handful of players that play their whole careers with one play, with team. You understand, you know, then the business part of it comes in and. And it's just a lot of avenues or uh, the business part from the team or from, you know, the, the player. You know, the player gets a choice after a, a ton of years. Yeah. Or, or the team decides, okay, we value this guy better at this position so we can move this guy because he has value or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So. Um, one, you know, one of the interesting things about baseball that we, I mean, again, a lot of things, but one that's interesting, I think, and, and you see this in other, sport, in other professional sports as well, um, is the advent or really the, the growth in the number of non-baseball, you know, non-baseball playing people who first off and in an interesting way really kind of came in at a very high level, right? In the front office, either as analysts or even at the GM level. I mean, it quickly moved from assistant GMs to GMs being guys that, I mean, not only didn't play professional baseball, some of them I think barely played high school baseball, right? They're, they're math guys, right? At the end of the day that they really were not um, baseball guys. And I guess I'm curious, how much has that migrated down into into the sport? Are you seeing that at lower levels now? And are are they are they having a role outside of the front office and even more into some of I'll call it coaching, but in sort of in sort of maybe coaching auxiliary in terms of helping coaches even at lower levels in in pro ball? Yeah, no, definitely one hundred percent. Yeah, because what happens when the analytics starts has have started tricking down into the minor leagues? They've had to have people that could translate it, understand it, <laughs> understand it. And then, and then the coaches need to understand it too. So that's the, 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 the sad part about um, that part of it is that a lot of good baseball people get taken out of the game because they don't, they don't grasp. They couldn't adjust. Right. I mean, I, yeah, that's analytics. And then those guys, get taken out which is a detriment i i think sometimes to the players because there's nothing else that you can, can that you can uh it's so important to have people that have gone those steps already yeah i mean experience right i mean you're talking about wisdom accumulated accumulated wisdom and experience i mean i think about like a guy like elrod Hendricks when we were with the, with the Orioles, I mean, he'd been around baseball forever. Like whether he understood analytics today or not, like he's a guy you'd want to be around your young players, right? Whether he could ever figure out what OPS plus was or any of that shit wouldn't matter. Like his, his value is different than that. 
yeah, his value is different than that because he could go to the story, okay, I, I'm 0 for 20. And he would go to the story, man, you know what? When I was playing with the Orioles and 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 I, and I was going to a uh, great streak and all of a sudden, I couldn't get a hit. I couldn't get a hit. It gave you, like, a sense of, okay, it's not the end of the world. I'm not the only one that this has ever happened to. One that goes that. Because that's what it feels like at the time. <laughs> Go yeah. through that. Yeah. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So those yep. things, when they can't, when a when when players and I'm not and I'm not trying to bag on you know these players I mean these coaches that that didn't play or they're very good at you know um, they're very good at uh, tra- uh, transition that the the analytics to the players and and no that's a that's a, nowadays a huge value right I mean it's a huge value but then the other value gets taken away because that player never gets those stories where they can kind of push kind of push through certain situations um and not feel so bad because you know how you know as much as me how the game of baseball makes you feel bad about yourself (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've tried to explain that to people like i got buddies who like golf and they're like golf is such a you know it's so it's so mental i'm like you have no you have no idea. Like I get it because there's some weird things about golf. You're completely on your own. The ball never moves. It just kind of stares at you. But there's nothing like trying. I mean, and with due respect to my friends who are pitchers, being a hitter is the hardest thing, 100%. Like it's not even close. And when you're struggling, it infects the rest of your game. <laughs> like it makes it makes everything harder when you're not going well. Like and that's and it's you know that's a we're not going to talk about sports psychology, but I know that that's also something that there's been a big shift. It was already starting a little bit when we were when we were in our early days, but I know that that's picked up and and in a good way because, like you just said, I mean, this is you you got to have you, everybody needs a shrink who's playing professional baseball. Like it's just too hard, um, it's too hard mentally to deal with. So, all right, well, let's kind of let's go to kind of where you are today. Let's talk a little bit about. Uh, about um, what you're up to now that you've uh, now that you're an old has been. Uh, <laughs> although I saw you taking some cuts on uh, Instagram recently, it looks like you it looks like you still got it. You're ready for the old timers game. I like that. That's, that was impressive. I always mess with the guys because um, uh, just to, just to give them a little taste. Let like, you know I can still play, boys. I, I, I know I I know what I'm talking about. I know, I know a thing or two. I still do what you guys do. You know, <laughs> um, it gets harder and harder as the years go by. <laughs> get sore and sore the next day, like your ribs are hurting, like, and you try to play it off like it's not happening. Yeah, yeah I, I get you. So so let's talk about your current role at Boris. For the not everybody on this podcast is going to know who Scott Boris is. If you follow baseball. He's a living legend. If you don't follow baseball, you have no idea who he is. So give us kind of a quick thumbnail sketch of the Boris Agency and what your role is there. Well, obviously, we represent players. Uh, we only represent players. Um, only baseball? Baseball players. Only baseball, okay. Only baseball players. And, um, you know, Scott's been doing it close to 40 years. Um, and he was always my agent. Um, I was going to ask. I thought he was, but I couldn't remember. So. Yeah. Uh, he was always my agent. Well, I didn't have an agent in the draft. It was just me, my dad, and my, bro- my brother. But a uh, year into it, um, you know, a bunch of agents approached me, but they approached me, and uh, what they, how they caught my eye was, you know, the importance of what, what information they provide to help my career. 
right? And that always stood out for me because that's what, what was important to me. The getting the glove, getting the, you know, getting the, you know, the glove, getting the spikes and getting, you know, the stuff for me was not important. My important thing was how, what can they, what can they provide for me information wise to move forward and also um, in, in, you know, the, the business side of the game. Because I know that, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, sports and then money comes in and all that stuff. So you need to know uh, what to do and what, um, how to deal with things um, in that aspect. And, then, and they, they pointed that out to me. So, you know, I, I, all my career I was there through Major League Baseball, through Japan. And then um, he's always wanted me to work for him after I stopped playing. But then I wanted to, you know, test out the, the, uh, uh, this coaching part of, of the game. Right. And, um, and then I got to a point where, you know, uh, this, you know, being a coach or uh, front office is a lot of time consuming. So I wanted to not to say this part of it, the game is not t- time consuming, but I have way more flexibility to yeah. have, you know, a family, which I have now. So right. that, that, that was my most important thing that I wanted to do. So anyways, um, now I uh, we have a, a facility down in Miami that our clients come in. And they work out, so I oversee that, and you know, and you know, and that's a training facility in Miami. There's another on the West Coast, right? Or, or, or are there three? Is there two? There's two: one on the West Coast and one here in Miami. Okay, and you have, I assume, a set of clients who live in the off season nearby and can train regularly. Train here, uh, or uh, guys um, come down, spend the off season in South Florida, and and they come in. Right. Right. Okay. And so. And your role there, you, you do you you help at the facility. What do you? That's I'm assuming that's mostly in the off season, or do you do that year round when there are guys that are hurt or rehabbing or? Yeah, sometimes we have guys. Well, we have two strength coaches and stuff like that. So then, um, we um, we um, uh, we're here for those guys to to train and to do things that they need to do to get ready for the next season. And so I oversee that, and I do you know some co- you know baseball stuff on the field. With the guys, you know, because they have a field and uh, cages out here, so I do that. And then during the season, you know, uh, um, mostly, you know, uh, just seeing the guys when they come through Miami, or maybe seeing a guy when they get called up or anything like that. So, gotcha. So you're a re- you're a resource for the for the current for the current players already, and then a, a big big chunk of the work is in the off season in terms of managing the facility. I mean, it would you, it's year round because you could potentially have guys there all year round, depending on injuries or whatever. But it's mostly it's more focused. This full time right now, I'm assuming now that the season's over, except for the guys that are in the you know in the playoffs. But and, and the minor league guys, well, they they still have instructional league, right? So if the guys aren't in instructional, are they there? Way less time than we had it. I mean, it's only like four weeks or something. Like that. They figure that out that having guys play all the time is a bad idea. Is that what you're saying, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i never got that but whatever yeah uh yeah. hey let's let's just let this guy play 400 games a year and let's see how let's see how that works out yeah it's so funny because the other day i was talking to the guys about winter ball and uh uh talking about winter ball and we're talking about oh you're gonna go for three weeks and this like that and i'm like man it's incredible i played i would have to say i played like four years in a row three months Oh, after the season ended. No, I know. I mean, it was basically if you were good, 
if you had, if you were doing well, they just punished you by making you play all the time. I mean, I mean, I know the, I understand the idea, which was we want to play against better competition. We want them to keep, you know, getting at bats and improving and whatever. But like, there's a, there's a physical, like, there's a reason you have an off season, right? Is <laughs> to, is to relax, is to recover, right? I mean, it's, it's common sense in a lot of ways. It's so. to recover and to get stronger, right? Yes. And to, so you can maintain that that following through 162 game season plus playoffs, which is what the ultimate goal is, right? You know, because if you think about us, we went to Hawaiian Winter League after we played a, a full. Uh, well, you didn't play; you got drafted that year, and then we went to Hawaii. Yeah, but I played college, so I mean, I remember I calculated I played 200 and something games that year, something crazy, you know. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I think it's nuts. Yeah, like what what they made us do back in the day. I'm saying I got like it's funny. I look at my at bats, but then I don't have at bats calculated for all those winter balls. No, yeah, I mean, technically, I had another thousand at bats. Yeah, my kids were. It's funny. Someone this came up recently. My daughter had a friend over. Um, she lives. She's doesn't live with us anymore, but she lives close by and came by to watch the football game this weekend. And the um her friend dad likes baseball or something so she's like oh you played baseball tell me you know when did you play blah 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 and she's like and my daughter's like how many baseball games do you think you played and i was like and and my number pales in comparison to yours but i was like oh i mean it was more than a thousand she's because she before i said anything she's like what like maybe two or three <laughs> hundred and i started laughing i was like uh no <laughs> and you know and, and i was going back to like little league you know and i'm like it's probably between a thousand and fifteen hundred and that's probably wrong because I don't know how many scrimmage games I played. I don't know how many whatever. And then for you, a guy that had a 15, 18-year career in Major League Baseball, like it's, it's just, especially the way it was then, it's hard to, it's really hard to fathom. That, and that's another thing, like, you know, how technology has, um, has changed even in the minor leagues, right? Um, guys get scheduled days off. Yeah. Um, well, I saw now where they have one day off a week. I mean, they only play six days a week, you know. They, they only play six days a week because they modeled it like in Japan. Japan, that's how that's how it's modeled, right? Oh, that's a great idea. It's a better model for sure. Yeah. It's a way better model. It's so funny that my adjustment when I went to Japan, obviously a ton of adjustments because it's a different culture, but that was a big thing for me because I was so used to playing every day and you so mentally you you're thinking, okay, rhythm, I, I don't want to lose my rhythm. I get it that day off and man, I was good. And then I had the day off and then the next day uh, I'm still trying to feel out until you get used to that. And right. it's like the best thing in the world. Yeah. Cause then you take the day and you really make it a day off. Like you, you know, try to like step away. Yeah, exactly. But now they have those days and still scheduled days off for their guys. Yeah. Um, which never existed. We played no matter what. I mean, if you weren't hurt, the, the, the coach is like, I'm putting the best players out there, period. You know. Only way you'll get a day off is the manager, you have a, a, some kind of compassionate manager that would be like, you know what? He looks tired. Yeah, there aren't many of them. And there weren't many of those. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, was, I played 130. I, I mean, we played 140 games. I, I played either 137 or 100. 38 games a year every year in the minor leagues i believe it i mean it's you know i believe it unfortunately you were durable because you know i mean and it does you know there's a couple i want to 
I'm going to be mindful of time because we're getting close here. I mean, we could talk all afternoon. I, I would, I'd love to do this. I mean, last time we were together, I think we talked for two hours and didn't stop. So um, there's no reason why we couldn't keep going. But um, a couple of things to wrap up um, to, to, get, to get us on our way here. A couple of things that, you know, when I think about the one question I have in my mind as I've watched baseball, particularly last decade, you know, 10, maybe 15 years, but certainly the past 10, there's been such an increase in pitching velocity, you know, average pitching velocity, and certainly at the, at the, at the margin, at the high end. I mean, the average pitching velocity is just dramatically different than it was when you got, when you got into baseball, right? I mean, if a guy threw mid-90s in the early 90s, you know, don't, that sounds weird, but if you threw 94, 95, you threw really hard. Like, yeah, I mean, there, there were not that many guys that threw it. A lot of guys threw 90, you know, 90, 91. There were hardly any guys that threw 94, 95, and above 95 was like a unicorn. Like, I mean, you know, I, there were there were like three of those guys. You know, there was Paul Shuey was the only guy, only only guy I ever played who threw 97, 98, right? And he was it was like a. I mean, people would come to watch the guy because it was like they'd never seen anybody before or since throw that hard. A guy named Paul Shuey. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nasty split. Oh yeah, and he threw hard as hell. I mean, you mean for for me? But now that's like a Tuesday. You know, like, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's like a regular thing. What do you attribute that to? And, and where kind of to that, where is this video technology piece feedback loop part of it in terms of, is this a differential mechanics? Have people learned how to throw harder? Because I can't imagine it's because people are bigger and stronger necessarily. Training. Okay. Training. And is this, is this also partially related to the injury rate? I mean, there's so many more Tommy John surgeries. It's got to go together, right? I think so. That's my opinion. Um, my opinion is the strength training has changed a ton, right, um, from a young age. But then that's the part where I think it's affected. I mean, that's just my opinion. It affected guys getting hurt so much because you're starting from a young age, you know, super young age, being very instead of going to play ball in your you know in a park and you know just playing with your friends and some of that these guys are going out and having strength training doing all the stuff that you do when you're in pro ball at 13 14 right too young really probably i mean in a lot of ways yeah in my opinion you know people argue the opposite right but i think it is because at the end of the day your body needs to develop to a certain point then you then, um, then I think then you go at it. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I, I mean, that was just a question. I mean, I, I had theories in my head, but was curious what, what y'all's perspective on it was. This, I have, you know, uh, we were talking about 138, whatever, how many games I don't remember, um, a ton of injuries in the minor leagues with guys. I don't remember that. I, I mean, maybe you there, do. No, I don't. There, other than it always seemed like there was a couple, there's always like one or two guys who seem to be hurt all the time, but I wasn't real sure. Like it was, were they hurt or were they injured? Like they, some guys just, you know, didn't deal with aches and pains as well as others. I think so. Yeah. No, but I'm just saying like the core players that I play, we play with coming up as, as Curtis Goodwin, all these guys, we all played that many games and didn't get, and didn't get hurt and never got hurt. Yeah. I never remember going, Oh, this guy, uh, was in rehab, uh, going down to Gulf Coast for two months to rehab to come and join the team again. Right. That, that didn't exist. 
I, I mean, I, I can't, I can't imagine it being, um, uh, oh, guys just played hurt then. I, I, nah, just I don't think so. No, I, I, I don't think so either. I think it's, you know, it's, it's probably the classic of, you know, when you push anything to the red zone, like if you push to its limit, right, you may not know where that limit is and you're more likely to hurt yourself. And that's where, and then you migrate those techniques down. I mean, what's, what's good for someone who's a 19 year old body or a 21 year old body, the assumption that that's good for someone who's 18, maybe true, maybe 17, maybe not the same for 16 or 15. And then you've got specialization, which has gotten thrown in which now you're getting, you're talking about repetitive motion issues, right? Where, you know, when I was a kid, there was no such thing as year-round baseball. You could not do it. And I'm not even sure in Miami when you were growing up, there was, even though you could, right? I mean, we couldn't do it for us because of the weather. I mean, I grew, I was in Nashville, Tennessee. So it's not like the weather was bad, but I mean, it was cold in the winter. Like you didn't, you played basketball in the winter, right? You went inside. That's what you did, (laughs) right? You know. The day we were talking about playing, you know, I played only my season. Yeah. Whatever season it was, I played that season. I didn't play baseball. Right. You put you put the you put the glove away and you picked up the football in the fall and then you picked up the basketball or whatever and you never played organized other sports, but I played it with my friends in the in, in the park. In the park. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe baseball, my brother, you know, with with um with a broomstick and and uh and a made a ball and and uh those kind of things, but like organized um team, I had once a year. Yeah. You know. Same, same with me. I mean, travel, travel baseball did not exist until you were 16 in high school for you. Had, and basically it was only if you were going to be good enough to go play in college, like, and, and they, they asked you to play. It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't cause mom and dad could write a check or whatever. I mean, it was, you know, it was a, a small number of people that did it because of that. So no doubt. anyway, um, all right, man, we could keep going, but, um, I, I told you, in the, um, you know, before we jumped on, I wanted to ask you kind of a question sort of a translation question to business. Um, and you spend a lot of time in, in pro ball, but as you think about a non-sports person, if they were to ask you for advice, I mean, one thing that's clear is there's no place on earth. There no, there's no organizations on earth like professional sports where the stakes are as high in terms of identifying talent and then developing talent, right? Because that's what the, that's what the whole, the whole shooting match is. You can make an argument that the big consulting firms or law firms are or whatever, but realistically, they don't have minor leagues. They're depending on Stanford or Harvard or whoever to, to, to do the to do the heavy lifting, and then they'll pick it up from there, right? So the talent identification problem is a little bit different. As you think about the, your career, what what are some lessons that you have seen that again they, they can't be baseball specific? It can't be figure out how you know find a guy's got a good slider, but there may be some comparative. Like what do you, where do you feel like as you think about both your experience at Boris and what you saw at as a coach and a player? What are some lessons that you would tell someone? Hey, when you're thinking about trying to find people who can be your can be your best players over time, like your your you know, your stalwarts, what would you look for? If you were going to start a business today, what would you look for? Obviously, obviously you're looking for talent, but also like um, uh, consistency in their work. Um, uh, consistency, you know. Uh, drive, you know, um, passion. Um, I mean, me, I always, I always think hard work, it's, it's an old saying, whatever hard work always pays, but like, I always think hard, the hard work, the, the, the person that, um, makes it a priority to, to do their job well, 
um, is the person that obviously when they have time that flourishes big time, uh, regardless if they're learning in the process, but that will take them to, um, to where you want them to be, you know, um, yeah. because talent itself, uh, I've seen it come and go, right? Yeah. A super guy with a super talent, maybe he's super smart as a thing, but he doesn't have the, the discipline and, 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 uh, and work ethic. Um, it fades, um, and th those are so related related question and I, I think it's an interesting one we'll, we'll end on this one baseball is an unusual sport in that it's a team sport that has a very strong individual component so how do you think about what when you think about the best teammates you had why would you say they were your best teammates in in the sense of being good teammates um what what was it about them that that made them great teammates good question um i think relatable to people, um, uh, open-mindedness. Um, so like for me, one of my, my favorite, obviously he's a hall of famer, but you know, besides, a, besides him being a, a great player, Barry Larkin has to be my favorite teammate of all because he was able to, um, not only use his, um, his success playing, but like, you know, him being like a, the leader of a, a, a different different people that come from different places and kind of bring those guys together, people together, um, was able to kind of try to try to relate to to go out of his way to relate to uh, people from different um, walks of life. You know, obviously you have. Latin Americans, you have, you know, Asians, you have all, all kinds of different, um, yeah, people that come and uh, come to pl you play with. But he, he identified like um, little things that that uh, would go. He would go out of his way to kind of, you know, make everybody feel comfortable. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, because you know, when I think about business. It's it's a it's 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 more like baseball than it is like football. In the sense that in football, you know, it's a true team sport in a lot of ways, right? You can, everybody, you can have ten guys that do everything right, and if one messes up, the play's blown, right? And in baseball, that there are situations where that can happen, um, but it's 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 different, right? And it, you know, you've got, I mean, the pitcher's out there by himself. I mean, yeah, he can make a great play, can make a great pitch, and someone can hit a dinker and get a hit, or he can make a terrible pitch and someone can make a great play and save him. But hitting in particular, like. You're on your own, man. Like it's, you know, you're out there, you're a long way from everybody and no one's going to help you. Right. I mean, it's it just, it is what, it, so it's got this weird sort of, um, you know, very strong team and very strong individual aspect to it. And business in many ways is like that because most people have, there's an individual contributor part of their job, stuff that they do that's their work. And then they do stuff in teams and as part of the overall business. So it, 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 to me, it has a pretty good overlap and it's, you know, and it's comparative. No, I mean, I mean, I would, I would think so because I mean, you just said it like hitting your own, your own, you're, you're against nine, eight guys, nine guys, right, by yourself. Yep. It, I mean, completely. Right? Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And the 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 special thing about you know good teammates like that is be able to kind of like take that that aspect, but also understand the team aspect at of it is pretty special. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's two different parts of your brain in a lot of ways. And it's not just, you know, that's why the, I think the great ones can, can bridge that, right. They can, they can be, they can do both. They can be both, you know, individualistic and team oriented at the same time. Right. And there's, a, there's, that's not always easy to do. So. It's not, it's not easy. And it's not always, uh, right to force somebody yeah. to be that way. You that's know, true. I think there's some sure. people that are like very good at what they do, but they're, they just, that's the way they work. They're good at what they do. And that's yeah. why there's that aspects of different um, scenarios and different places and different. Yeah. I mean, and if, you know, if you're truly individual, you should go play golf, right. Or tennis, like where it's just you, you know, I mean, that's, that's it. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to deal with teammates. Uh, that's a, I mean, not, not bagging on it. I'm just saying it's a different dynamic, you know? Well done, so. well done. All right. Well, I'm, I always like to wrap up with a, a personal question, then we'll, we'll shut her down. So, um, and I've asked a bunch of people this, so sometimes it's a fun question. Sometimes it's not feel free to punt if you want to, but tell me about the first technology memory you have as a child and it can't be watching TV or talking on the phone. <laughs> wow. I can't be watching TV or no video. No, no, no. That, I mean, video games, it could be a video console or something like that, but it can't be TV. Everybody's got that. That's yeah, everybody got that. Um, <laughs> I didn't think. Wow, good question. And I can't, I can't even come. Up. I'll have to think about this because this is a, that's a that's a hard one. All right, no worries. Last one then. Um, uh, I know you're busy and you got a bunch of shit going on, but tell us uh, have you read anything or watched anything lately that you think people ought to check out? <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, but I was, maybe little kids. I was thinking for you, it might be little kid videos. That may be what you watch. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, yeah. Frozen. I watched 50 million times now for <laughs> last week. Or something. Everybody check out frozen. It's a really interesting movie. Um, <laughs> no, the, uh, the Dom, it actually is good. So. Dahmer on Netflix, Dahmer documentary on Netflix. Oh yeah. Have you watched it? Yeah. I watched it. Is it creepy? Like I haven't checked it out. So it's, it's, it's creepy. It's, it's interesting. It's good. Okay. It's good. All right, I'll check it out. I would watch okay. it for sure. I mean, unless you're like, you don't want to watch that kind of stuff, but. Yeah, if you're not into like that kind of thing, yeah. If you, if you, I mean, I wouldn't think that's any white thing, but um, but if you're, it, those are things that are interesting for you, no doubt, no, no, no doubt. Good deal. All right, we'll wrap there and let Alex get back to it. Alex, thanks again, man. I really appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on the podcast. All right, Brian, I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure, absolutely. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you are enjoying the podcast, we'd appreciate it if you would become a subscriber wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, that would really help us out. Or you can just go old school and tell your friends, your family, your colleagues, and hell, anybody else who you think might want to hear something like this to listen in. If you're on social media, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at cuttheshit underscore pod. We are also on TikTok at cut the shit pod all one word where we post lots of clips from the podcast and last but not least you can also watch the youtube version of the show on our youtube channel at plow networks until next time take care and have a great day